0: Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Once again, we want to welcome you to Milestone Church. I want to welcome those of you watching online and streaming along in our McKinney campus. Will you join me in welcoming McKinney? So excited to have you guys with us. As Pastor Jeff said, we've got great things planned for you this fall. Next weekend, that Stressed Out series starts all kinds of things to help you, but this weekend... We're finishing up Summer at Milestone, and we hope you've enjoyed it. If you haven't seen some of the messages, you can go back online and watch those. But maybe you're wondering, what was the goal? What were you trying to do over the summer at Milestone? Were you just trying to give us a reason to gather so we could eat summer treats? And part of that is yes, right? Like we do crazy things to help you get in church, like give your kids ice cream at 11 o'clock in the morning. But the other thing we do is we're trying to do the same thing we do every weekend. We want to help you grow in your relationship with God because we're convinced that you can grow. We get excited, we celebrate the miracle of what God does in the lives of real people in the waters of baptism because we believe that there's a real God who loves us and has a great plan for our lives. And not only can we enter into a relationship with him, we can actually live the life that we're created to live. And the way that we do that is by continuing to take steps as we grow. Turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. You know, this is really not a corrective message by any means, because as a church family, you guys get this. You understand, maybe you're here for the first time and you're like, what are these people so excited about? Part of what we're so excited about is the opportunity to continue to become who God created us to be. You know, this summer you heard this term, 301. Maybe you heard that term, you don't know what that is. 301 is a eight week class that meets on Monday nights. And I wanna just honor all of those of you who participated in that and and the volunteers and the leaders that went there to make that possible. Lots of things you can do on the evenings on your summer. But I I would argue very few things more valuable than gathering and going deeper into your relationship with Jesus. We had more than 200 people graduate from 301 this summer. Let's celebrate them together. What an awesome thing. Here's the reality. That's an investment. That's not just, hey, I'm trying to be more spiritual. I'm trying to impress God. That's an investment that's going to impact your life in multiple different ways. The truth is, we all get this. We live in a culture and we live in a world and we are people who are trying to get better in all different areas. And I can say that with confidence because I'm right there with you. I'm always trying to grow, to improve, to develop, to get better. And we've never had more tools and more resources to help us in that process. I'm a huge fan of personal assessments. How many of you out there take personal assessments? I've taken StrengthsBinders and Myers-Briggs and the DISC profile. I haven't tried to take that one, the Enneagram, the new one, I'm not even really sure how it works. I'm so into it, I'll take a spirit animal test. Now to be honest, I was hoping for great white shark or lion, because that's what I feel like on the inside. Turns out I'm a river otter. And (laughs) I'm not totally sure what to do with that. But we take stuff. We take assessments. We're trying to get better. We're trying to get better in our sleep habits, in our diet habits. We're trying to develop personal skills. We're trying to become better in all these different areas. It's really important because we believe we can grow and get better. We believe this for the people in our lives. Maybe somebody, on, maybe you're a manager or an owner of your own company, and you have people on your team. You send them to events or conferences. You get help them take courses. There's all different things. My friends told me about this masterclass course like, what have you been doing lately? Well, I've been reading a bunch of things and I've been watching these videos. Gordon Ramsey's teaching me how to cook and, and Steph Curry's helping me learn how to play basketball. i got all these people who are coaching me and assisting me and helping me and, and, and I'm into it. I love it. And really, we want to help the people in our lives get better too. Maybe you have a friend or somebody on your team, a coworker, but I know if you're a parent in here, you're deeply invested in developing and growing your children, You've probably taken your kid to camp somewhere this summer. Maybe it was a music camp or an art camp. One of, my oldest son has been working on computer coding, which I'm a big fan of, because hopefully he'll get really good at it and pay for his college. You know, Maybe there's a sports camp. My youngest kid's getting ready for basketball camp tomorrow. He's all excited, he's ready to go. Why? Because we want him to take steps and to grow and develop. We're really into this as a culture. I didn't know how into it we are but it's, it's serious. How many of you know what this is? This right here is Fortnite, okay? Now, if you have a preteen boy or a teenage boy or a, 23 or a 20 or a 30 year old or a 40 year old boy somewhere in your vicinity, yeah, yeah, I know, shots fired, it was a little on purpose, but I love you, I play games. Not this one, I'm more of a Madden guy, but anyways. Here's what I found out this week. This game, which is an online kind of like capture the flag, you play my son's into it, he's got the headset on and talking to his buddies. I'm like, hey, quiet down, World War III up there. You and the rest of your nerd friends, little less quiet, you know, like. Here's what I found out this week. Do you know that there are parents all across the country, so much that two different news stories reported this, major media outlets, parents are hiring coaches, personal coaches for their children for Fortnite. Now you're like, why would they do that? Which is a great question. It's a real thing, why would you do that? Maybe their self-esteem, they need a little boost. They wanna win, they wanna feel better about their lives. Here's the other thing. Believe this or not, I didn't know this was true. It's really true. There's an esports thing. Apparently, playing video games is now considered a sport. People watch it, recreationally, I guess. They're building an arena in Arlington. Did you know that there are colleges and universities in America that actually have varsity esports teams. The University of North Texas has a varsity esports team. Now when I was a kid and went to college, playing video games got you out of college, it didn't help you get into it. But we're so committed, why why would we do this? Because we wanna grow, we wanna take steps, we wanna invest in our future. Now let's be honest, it's inspiring, it's exciting to talk about growth and personal development, but the truth is, it's hard, it's difficult. I'm trying to get better at cooking, I'm never gonna be Gordon Ramsay. It's gonna take a lot of time and a lot of practice to, great, to take steps of growth. It, it takes, no matter what it is, we live in a culture where we love, in America, our, our favorite myth is like genius, like somehow you'll just discover this incredible talent that's latent on the inside of you that you didn't know was there, and with very little work it just emerges and you have this whole new life. Life doesn't work like that. Real, lasting growth is slow, and it's tedious, and it's largely uncelebrated, and it's difficult. Now, if that's true in all these other areas, how much more when it comes to our spiritual life? Because there's a growth boom in personal coaches, but, but as a pastor and as a leader who works and, and walks with people and is concerned with my own spiritual growth, here's one of the things I know, we don't always know how it works. We feel intimidated, it doesn't seem, it seems vague and, and esoteric, and how do you know if you're even really growing? The great news is the Bible can help us so much. But one more thing, the truth is we're a little bit concerned sometimes. Maybe you've had this fear, I've had this fear, that if we become really spiritually We'll stop being us and we'll get a little weird. Now, the first time I started to think about really growing spiritually, I was, a, I was in college. and I had a friend, he was a mentor. He was a couple years older than I was and knew the Bible and he was growing. He was a leader and I was like friends with him and I was like, you're gonna help me grow? And he's like, yeah, I'll totally help you grow. And He, he liked to take naps. And so I'm a fun guy, and so one day he was taking a nap, and I said, let's have some fun while he's taking a nap. I had an idea, before we had personal videos and phones and things, I was gonna have, you know, if I had a phone and a video back then, it would have gone viral, but I was gonna prank him while I was taking a nap, because he was a deep sleeper, so I I said, here's what we'll do, we'll fill up his hand with shaving cream, and then we'll wake him up and i will smash him on his face, we'll laugh, he'll think, man, you guys are fun and silly, it's fun to hang out, it'll be great not what happened. So the first time I filled up his hand with shaving cream up this big, we started to tickle him. He wiped it on his comforter and all over himself. And, but I don't give up easy. So I filled it up higher and bigger, and this time I took a feather and I shoved it up his nose to really kind of like tickle his brain, and it worked. And he went right to the face and rubbed it all over, and we're laughing and smiling. Isn't this fun? He woke up with fire in his eyes, so we took off running down the room. He comes flying out of the hallway, and he looks at us, and I'll never forget, he shouts, God is going to judge you. <laughs> it's like, whoa, that escalated quickly. We, so somewhere out there, apparently God's going to judge me at some point. And I joke, but here's the point. Sometimes we think spiritual growing makes us that kind of a person, and we don't want to be that kind of a person. We want to be us, but the better, more true version of us. And we laugh about that now, my friend, we're good, it's all sorted out, don't worry. But the truth is, God wants you and I to take steps wherever you're at in your walk with God. Now that brings us to Colossians chapter one. We put it up here on the screen for you. If you don't know, this is a real letter written to a real group of people by a man named Paul. Paul was a follower of Christ, took steps. He was a great leader and an influencer. God used him to do a lot of great things. And Paul wrote a bunch of the New Testament, mainly letters to churches and followers of Christ to help them figure out how to take next steps. And in this particular letter, the letter to Colossians, it's a great letter. If you're looking to read and study the Bible, I would encourage you to take this one. There's so much great insight about Jesus and how we take steps and how we grow and become more and more. I love there's this little line tucked away in Colossians 3 that says, you'll become more and more, you'll discover the true you that's hidden in Christ. What a cool picture. The best, most true version of who you are. You don't find it out somewhere else, you find it in Christ. I love that idea. But, but this letter is very encouraging. You know, sometimes Paul was pretty strong. He gave tough love to the Corinthians, and he was really strong with Galatians, but he loved the Colossians church in, in a different way. He was encouraged, he was inspired by how they were doing in their walk with God. He starts the letter by telling them, listen, we thank God for you every time we think of you. That's a pretty good thing. Every time we think of you, we thank God for two reasons. Number one, you trust Jesus. And number two, you love people. Now, I don't know about you, but if if the Apostle Paul, when he thought of me, he thanked God and he said, hey, that guy, he trusts Jesus and he loves people, I would think I was pretty much killing it. I'm pretty much ready to be the standard for everybody else to look up to. I would be working that into conversations. I would be finding ways. for It would be my Twitter bio. This is Jed. Apostle Paul said... Everybody loves him because he trusts Jesus and he loves people. But he doesn't stop there. Look what the Bible actually says, Colossians 1 verse nine, fascinating. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. How do you pray for people who trust Jesus and love people? What else is there to pray for? Look what Paul goes on to say. We continually ask God, to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. What a profound statement. Here one of the greatest men who's ever lived, who walked with God in an incredible ways, says there's a life that's available to you. You haven't yet reached it, that's gonna please God, that's gonna be worthy of everything that he is. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a big idea that I find so intriguing. I'm like, Paul, help us understand. We're gonna come back to that in just a minute. But you see there, there's a colon, which means he's gonna describe what this looks like. McKinney, maybe you're wondering, what would it look like to live that kind of a life? Well, he's gonna answer it for us right here. He says this. He says, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father. How does this happen? Is it just willpower? Do we just try to figure out a way to make this work? Look what he says. The Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light. For he, not of ourselves, he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What a beautiful picture here. As we've celebrated in baptism, as we've talked about Jenny and the people who went through baptism and God met them at that moment and rescued them out of their circumstances. If you have a relationship with God today, No matter what your story is, all of us know the only way to have a relationship with God is not because you're spiritual, you're strong, but because in your weakness, in your pride, in your character flaws and deficits, when you didn't love God, he reached down, rescued you, saved you, qualified you, and brought you into the family of God. That's why we get so excited. But back to this idea. Let's go back for a moment. What about this life? What about this worthy life? Sometimes when you're reading a passage like this, it's helpful to look at it in another version. I looked at the message this week. Look what the message says. We pray that you'll live well for the master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you learn how to do your work. See, when it comes to spiritual growth, I think the challenge for many of us is, What's God's part in it and what's our part in it? Is it all God or is it all us? Or somehow, some way, is there tension between those two things? And I love God because he's a both and God. Yes, it's God's part. Yes, it's your part. And together, as you grow and, and spiritually, intentionally prioritize these things, you become more and more of who God created you to be. I have like to summarize and think about it this way. God has a part, you have a part. God plays a role, you play a role. And understanding how that works is the key to spiritual growth. We we'll always try to make it simple for you. Here's a simple thesis statement I put in your in your notes. When we know God's part, we become clear on our part. And we can't grow until we know what's expected of us. Now I don't know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking at this point, Jed, you're obviously passionate. You're prowling around and sweating up there and getting yelling at us. Why is this such a big deal to you? Is it because you're a pastor? I mean, let's be honest, your spiritual growth is your professional and career growth. It all kind of blends together for you, but what about the rest of us? This isn't really that important for us. Well, I would encourage you to remember these words are written to real people, the Colossians. They had busy lives, they had challenges. Their daily schedule was as complicated as yours, and let's be honest, in some ways it was harder. If you were a mom in that church in Colossians, your meal plan was a lot more difficult than it is today. There was no dinner dash or whatever that is or the different things that we are grateful for in our day and age. And yet Paul tells them, listen guys, in your household, these are real people, not pastors and leaders. And he's like, you're doing good, but there's more for you. There's more available to you. Here's the things I think we struggle with. Categorically, it makes sense to us, I wanna get better in my personal physical care. I wanna get better, I wanna grow in my career development. I want to grow in my interpersonal relationships. I want my marriage to be better. And I want my children's uh, relationship with me to be better. I want to be a better dad, a better mom. And we compartmentalize our lives. And then we go, man, that's a lot of work to make a little bit of growth in all these different areas that are really important to me. And if I have any time left over, maybe, just maybe, I'll give a little courtesy, I'll give a little work, I'll give a little intention into spiritual development. And I would say this, if you've ever felt that way, you're not alone, I've felt that way before. But I would caution you with this, I truly believe there's no greater area that you can invest in your ongoing development than in your spiritual life. It's not extra, it's not on the side, it's not irrelevant. There's nothing that has a greater return when you invest in your spiritual development. When you prioritize becoming the person that God created you to be, it doesn't just benefit you in some vague, esoteric, spiritual way. It impacts every area of your life. Of course it impacts your internal life, your emotions, your, your fulfillment, your significant. Of course it affects your ability to overcome fear and to endure challenges. Of Of course it affects your ability to love and serve your spouse, to lead your children, and believe it or not, it has one of the greatest impacts you could ever have in your personal and professional development. God knows what you need, and he's way more holistic than we give him credit for. When we say, God, I want to be who you created me to be, it's not just some vague, irrelevant church spiritual life. It impacts everything that you care most about. See, we think, man, if I could just find the right coach, if I could just find the perfect person to mentor me and lead me, but I'm stuck because I can't find him, here's the great news. The greatest personal coach in the history of the universe is Jesus, and he's got a spot open for you. The incredible thing about Jesus is he never forces you to spend time with him, but any time you come to him and say, Jesus, speak to this area of my life, he's ready and willing to give you the word that you need to grow. Now, I want to tell you, from my own personal experience, this is not theory. If you invite that coach into your life, buckle up. Because he's not scared to tell you sometimes, not just what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. I love Jesus as a coach. I love Jesus in every way. I love coaching, I'm kind of intrigued by it. You're like the, the surest way to get me to watch a, a, a documentary is to make it about coaches. I watch all kinds of coaches. Business coaches, leadership coaches, sports coaches. Now, some extreme coaches yell at you and they belittle you and they scream at you. And I like a little tough love, but sometimes it gets excessive like Bobby Knight and some of those other guys out there. Uh, but, but listen, Jesus is not that way. He doesn't go like, you're an excuse. You need to quit and go home, quit being a baby. He doesn't do that. But I don't like the other side of the coaches either, right? Like the coach that no matter what you do, they're like, Hercules, you're amazing, you're so great, you're special, you're gonna make the NBA. You're like, it's intramural sixth grade basketball, we're down 40, I'm pretty sure we're not making the NBA. (laughs) You want a coach that says, listen, you can do this, you can change, it's gonna require some things about you, but I believe in you and I'm for you. The amazing thing about whatever you want Maybe you're a single person and you're like, God, I wanna become the kind of person, I wanna get married. If you really believe that, God will begin to work in your life. He'll begin to, it's not about, hey, what's wrong with the dating pool? It's about what's going on in my character? If you are married, I want a better marriage. Jesus is more than willing to help you. But he won't start with, here's all the things wrong with your spouse. He'll start with, here's where you need to change. But you can change. And don't change so that I love you. Change because I already do love you. And you can be more than you're being right now. It's true as a father. It's true as as a mother. It's true as a friend, as a roommate, as an employee. In every area of your life, he'll help you grow. So, how do we get there? Let's make it a little bit more practical before I pray for you. How do we grow spiritually? What does this really look like? Number one, we have to recognize God's part. We have to recognize God's part. Now, the big, don't be intimidated, the big theological word for God's part, we call it justification. And here's what that simply means it's a legal term. And God's part, he does the saving, he does the rescuing, he puts the motivation, the fact that we have any desire to spiritually grow at all is is a fact that God, it's evidence of the fact that God's calling and inviting us to become who he created us to be. But justification, maybe you've never heard this, maybe you're just coming on the first weekend and you're like, why is this guy yelling so much? Here's why we're excited, here's why we're passionate. Justification means this, on your best day, with all your willpower, with all your efforts, with the best education, with the best environment, with the best help, with the best opportunities, your attempts to be righteous and holy and good on your own merit would become woefully short of the standard God has for you. So you're left with two choices. You're either left to be condemned and to to live with the weight and the reality that you'll never be good enough for God, or Jesus invites you to receive as a gift, not because you earn it, not because you deserve it, not because you are worthy, to take as your own Jesus perfect righteousness. That word simply means this. The only way any of us can have peace with God is when we receive on our behalf the perfect righteousness of Jesus as a gift. He says, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your righteousness, he sees mine, and because my righteousness is perfect, you can have peace with God, you can be accepted into the family, you can receive the love and the goodness and the forgiveness of God on my behalf. You can't earn it, You can't achieve it. You can't boast about it. You can't look down on somebody else. One guy said it this way. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. Doesn't matter who your parents were or were not. Doesn't matter how many times you've been to church. What matters is, have you received on your behalf the goodness of God? You know what that does? It takes all the pressure away. And it makes you understand, God loves me. He has a plan for my life. He's for me. That's God's part. See, if you try to do God's part, you'll be frustrated, you'll be angry, you'll say life isn't fair, and what about that person, and they didn't do this, and they didn't do, I wouldn't encourage you to go that route. Many people try, but I would encourage you to say, God, you lived the life I should have but could not, and to say, God, I want a relationship with you not on the basis of my good works, but on the basis of yours. And when you understand that, you can't move on to your part until you understand that's God's part. His goodness and His love and His kindness in our life is worth celebrating. Here's the second thing. We gotta embrace our part. Now the first part of that is, okay, justification. Don't be intimidated. One more big word and then I promise we'll be done with with these big words. The second word, our part, it's called sanctification. Sanctification, justification happens in one moment. You receive Christ. Doesn't matter how much Bible you know. Just in a moment, God, you by faith, by grace, you receive Jesus into your life. God looks at you forgiven, accepted, redeemed, qualified in the family of God. It's a moment. Sanctification is a process that you don't finish over the course of your entire life. You keep taking steps to be closer to God. You're like, Jed, that sounds a little bit like legalism or like works. Now, I got to tell you, as a pastor, I get a little concerned with some of the thoughts and teachings that are out there in our culture. Let's make something really clear. God is not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. I look this week, and when you study the parables of Jesus, you're like, where are you coming up with that? Is that Paul? Well, when you look at the parables of Jesus... There are 25 parables. The parable of the talents, the parable of the sower, the parable of the prodigal son. 21 out of the 25 have to do with work and the handling of resources. It's a big deal to God. It's not what gets us into a relationship with him, but it is the thing that makes us grow. If you don't wanna grow, if you have no desire to become more and more of who God created you to be, you don't have to worry about that. But if you want that part, It's available to all of us. And here's the amazing thing. Let's be really clear on this. It's not for God. He's already holy. He's already, he has no need. It's not for God's benefit, it's for yours. As you grow, as you take steps, as you become more and more of who he is, not because you're you're trying to earn God's love and favor, but because you already have it, every area of your life isn't easy, but becomes more healthy and more alive. You say, Jed, uh, uh, this is still not making sense. Can you explain it to me, one more thing? Here, here's one more thing that causes people to have problems with sanctification. Maybe you felt this, I know i felt this. Sometimes in sanctification, we think it's all a big contest. Who can be the holiest? And when we gather together as a church, we're like real worried about, okay, like that marriage is perfect, that family is perfect, the rest of us are way down here somewhere, God's not real pleased with us because he's look. let me just make this really, really, really simple you never have to worry about that again. When God looks at you, he never measures you by, by what anyone else is or isn't doing. When he looks at you, all he's concerned with is that person loving me and are they becoming more and more who God's called me to be? You don't have to have anybody else's gift. You don't have to worry about anybody else's character. You just have to worry, am I becoming more of who God called me? Me to be, And when you realize that, it takes it from being frustrating and condemning and difficult that makes you feel guilty to giving you joy and life and inspiration, and it makes you feel alive. Who doesn't want to become the better, more authentic, more true version of who they were created to be? We all want that. We just don't always know how to get it. Because the truth is, it's difficult. It's hard. It requires a long-term commitment but it can be done. You could actually do it. Now, now, one more thing I gotta warn you about, really in our culture as Americans, we have this idea, remember I told you about the myth of genius, here's the other idea we have. You know the funny thing about the myth of genius, maybe you've heard of Thomas Edison, kind of a big deal, he invented some things we still use today like light bulbs and movies and all kinds of phones, well sort of, but we use all these kinds of things. Thomas Edison, over a hundred patents, he famously said genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. He said, I haven't failed 10,000 times, I just got 10,000 times figuring out what doesn't work, which puts me one step closer to what does. And again, if that's in something that doesn't matter nearly as much, it's helpful but doesn't matter as much as in your spiritual life, how much more beneficial is it for us to walk and to take steps? As Americans, we're looking for how do we get retired faster? How do we get independently wealthy faster? How do we win Powerball? How do, you know what would be ideal is if I never had to work and I could just do whatever I wanted, but the truth is that might be an American idea, but it's not a biblical one. Quality of life doesn't go up for lottery winners, it goes down. You're like, let me test that theory. But here's the point. (laughs) You're like, I got more character. You're welcome to try. That's between you and the Lord. Here's the point though. God created work before the fall of man. See, in the garden, one of the curses for work was it'll break your back and it won't be fulfilling which means it existed before that and it wasn't meant to break your back and it was meant to be fulfilling. When you find out the reason that God gifted you and talented you the way that he did, when you discover that and you begin to use that, not to build up your own name, not to build up your own pride, but to love and serve others, something incredible happens in your soul. You get fulfilled and God gets glorified. It's part of the reason why you were created. The word "work" comes from the same word as "worship" in the Hebrew. I, I take this very seriously as a pastor and as a dad. My son will look at me sometimes and say, "Dad, why do you got to go to the work? Why do you got to go to work? Stay home and play video games with you." with us. I say, son, I love you, and I want to spend time with you, but let's get one thing clear. Work is not a curse. Work is a gift from God. And we have a generation that's missing the point of the value of how God created us to use gifts and talents, not to just consume things that comfort us, but to create things that bless others. That's powerful. That's extra. Other services didn't get that. I don't even know if you like that, but it's making me happy. And here's the thing, I don't say that to beat up other generations. If you're a young person, let me just be the first to say, we failed you. When we don't tell you that, when we don't hold up a clear model of here's how it's supposed to look like, not because we're perfect, but because we serve a perfect God who has a plan for our lives, when we don't hold up that picture, the generations behind us can't follow along. We gotta be willing to say, I'm gonna embrace, embrace my part. God, I'm gonna take the peace that you've given me, not because I'm perfect, not because I'm trying to convince you to do something you don't wanna do, which is to love and to honor me, but because you already do, I'm free to serve and honor you. Here's the last piece. We recognize God's part, we embrace our part, and the third thing is we get to work. See, God's really smart. One of the things about exercise that's so fascinating. I was listening to this neurologist this week. Her name's Wendy Suzuki. She's a brain expert. She said, here's the most transformative thing that you can do right now to help your brain. I was like, ooh, this is powerful. I'm gonna to listen to what she says. She says, if you'll do this, here's some of the benefits that you'll experience right now your, your, your dopamine, your serotonin levels, your endorphins will go up. Your long-term memory will go up. Your, your ability to focus and, and to pay attention to something. You're like, Jed, that would help you. Yes, it would. Here's all the things that it'll do right now. It'll actually create new cells in your hippocampus. Use that at lunch. You already feel powerful and like you're growing and taking steps. Here's what it is. When we exercise in our brain, all those things are triggered. Why is that important? Is this like an exercise regimen? No. God didn't make us to sit and to relax and to be leisured. He made us for rest, but leisure and, 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 and resting and comfort and, and resting in God are not the same thing. So when we get up, when we exercise, when we do difficult things, when we do the hard steps it takes to change, even in practical areas, all of us, not just one part of us, all of us begins to grow and change. You're saying, Jed, why would you explain that when you're talking about spiritual life? Because it's all connected. Paul said, I live my spiritual life the way an athlete lives his life. I do what it takes to get the most out of what God's given me. So how do you know if you're growing? Back to the text, look what Paul does, really helpful for us. How do we know if we're growing spiritually? Put it there in your notes. Number one, you bear fruit at every good work. You don't got to switch careers. You don't got to become a pastor. You don't have to go on a missions trip. Right now, as a student, as a mom, as a salesperson, right where you're at, you can grow spiritually in that place by loving and serving others. What it means is, wherever you're at, do you add value, do you encourage? Is your generosity, is the use of your gifts making life better for everyone else? If you can't say yes, at some level, you've got more work to do in growing spiritually. The more spiritual you are, the more you're not just a benefit to your own IQ or your own brain, but to benefiting and serving others. Here's the second thing. You grow in the knowledge of God. This is important. Bible literacy continues to go down, and this isn't just about gaining information. Really, when the Bible uses that word, growing in the knowledge, in the Bible, whenever you use the word knowledge, it's always a relational knowledge, not just knowing about God, but knowing his heart. And we try to give you so many ways to help you with this. We encourage you to jump in the growth track. We encourage you to get in a small group. We encourage you to lead a small group. We encourage you to jump into our next internship program. All these things are not just designed to give you more information, which you have more of already than you know what to do with, but it's to help you grow closer relationally to God in a way that can love and serve others. The third thing is to be strengthened emotionally to grow, to be considerate, to listen, to serve, to be a kind, loving uh, a husband, or a father, or mother, or sister, or brother, or friend. Are you strengthened, do you have patience? It's a big one God's working on in me. Are you strengthened in your inner person to become a better, more kind, more loving, more generous, more honest person? That's a, bi- that's a big part of spiritual maturity. And the last one is joyfully giving thanks. This is a big challenge. Gratitude is, you know, we could preach the whole message on gratitude. Paul said this, he said, in every circumstance, grateful in every circumstance, not for every circumstance. There are things in your life, pain, suffering, we don't celebrate pain and suffering, we celebrate the God who's good in the midst of pain and suffering. That's a big difference. That's what separates Christianity from so many other religions. We don't like a spirituality It's like, beat yourself up and be miserable, and somehow in that you'll try to find, you'll piece together some sense of, that's not life. Life is in the midst of the challenges that you're going through. The goodness of God becomes more apparent and you become more grateful, not because of the circumstance, but because of the depth of your intimacy and relationship with God in the midst of the challenge that you're going through. And when you see that, that's a great indicator that you're growing spiritually. Life comes at you fast. This thing happens quick. I can't believe it. This fall, my daughter will go off to college. Doesn't seem possible. I remember when I went off to college. And it's amazing, you think back about life and you think, okay, I'm I'm telling her what I wish I could have told myself. Like if I could have gone back and told, if I would have traveled through time, like Back to the Future or or Christmas Carol or any number of our time travel stories, we love time travel stories. Because we wish we knew then what we know now. And I would tell myself, Here's what's gonna happen. There's gonna be painful challenges. There's gonna be opportunities for you to pursue a career or pursue something that looks really good, but it's not gonna be that great. The one thing I would tell myself is this. I think it's the same thing you would tell yourself. You'll never regret The moments when you prioritized the things that matter most to God. In the moment, they may not have seemed like they mattered that much to you, but looking back, they were the life that's truly life. You're like, Jed, why would you mention that? You know, that doesn't help us. Well, life's moving fast. And before long, there's gonna be another moment where we're gonna stand before Jesus The first question he's going to ask us is, what did you do with my son? Did you receive him? Did you accept him? Have you entered into my kingdom? And I'm hoping every one of us will say, yes, Jesus. We love you. We want to spend eternity with you. The second question he's going to ask is, what did you do with the opportunities I gave you? Did you grow into the person I created you to be? Not did you grow into somebody else. Did you finish somebody else's race? Did you have somebody else's gift? He's not gonna ask any of that. He's gonna say, what did you do with who I wanted you to be? And I want every one of us as a church family to say, God, we may not have hit everything, but we gave all we had to become all you created us to be. Let's pray. Jesus, we know this is so important. God, as as I struggle to communicate your heart to these men and women and children, God, I pray that they would just begin to catch just a a glimpse of how critical this is. This is the life that is truly life. This is the life that you created us to live. Not an easy life, not a life of comfort, Lord, but a life of significance, a life of fulfillment, a life that's, that's worth our all, that's worth our effort, not so that we could earn your love but because you've already loved us so generously God I'm praying for every person here they would have a greater sense of how much you love them, that you're not angry that you're not scolding them but you're lovingly encouraging them to be everything that you created them to be not for your benefit but for theirs because you love us in Jesus name, amen thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church we hope it's been an encouragement for you today We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com.